Welcome to the podcast with all your mind, hosted by me, Rachel Grimm. We're here to help understand the Bible with cultural and historical context, linguistic info, and other cool stuff. Enjoy. All right, good afternoon, guys. This is Rachel, and this is With All Your Mind. We're back again for yet another Names and Titles episode. I really thought I was done, and then I realized, wow, there's so much more that I haven't even touched on. So, you know, eventually we'll just have to stop because the season has to end eventually. But we're going to keep on going with Names and Titles. And this episode is going to be a bit of a weird one because we're not going to talk about the Bible much at all. In fact, I don't, I don't even think we talk about it at all. Okay. But we're going to be talking about some things that are confusing and you have to kind of lay out some terms and use some examples from things outside the Bible before we start talking about the biblical things that I want to get to. So from the title, Names of the World, we're talking about names of countries names of people groups and languages and religions, there can often be confusion about what those different words refer to. What are you talking about when you refer to this or that? And then when we get to the Bible, it gets misused. It gets misapplied. So we need to talk about it in a more familiar setting first. And then I'm thinking this is going to be a two-parter episode and we'll talk about the, the Bible names that we need to get to in the next episode. So if you don't like geography and culture and stuff, well, what's wrong with you, first of all? No, but basically hang in there. And if you really hate this episode, don't worry about it. I'm not going to do this very often at all. This is the first time I'm doing it, okay? But we need to talk about some terms before we talk about the biblical information. So there's a handful of terms that I'm going to define, and then we're going to go through some examples of how they can get confusing, What we're going to talk about are people groups, ethnic groups, political groups, geographic areas, and political boundaries. So an ethnic group. What is an ethnic group? Well, you go for your easiest example first. When you're filling out a form, like um, you go to your department of transportation and you need to, you know, update your driver's license or something like that. And they ask for your ethnicity. They usually only give you a certain number of options, right? Are you Asian? Are you white? Are you, I don't even, apparently it's been a while since I've filled out a form. I don't know what all the options are, but ethnicity refers to your biological makeup. And they usually refer to it by either color or by where your family is from not where did you grow up but are you from china are you from japan because different countries have a certain amount of sameness homogeny in that people from japan tend to be japanese people from china there's different ethnicities within china but we can say you're chinese if you're from the u.s you know that was a melting pot so there's many different ethnicities in the u.s but ethnicity refers to biology it's about your biological heritage in your genes what's in your genes right a different one is culture culture and ethnicity are two different things right you can grow up in one culture 
but be of a different ethnicity. So culture has to do with customs and traditions and styles of living, and it's very much influenced by where you live, right? So you can be Mexican and living in Canada. What's your culture? Well, it's probably going to be influenced by a couple of different things, right? You're not going to be just Mexican, and you're not going to be just Canadian. I grew up on Guam. My dad is from New Zealand, and I'm American. What's my culture? I don't even know. I don't, <laughs> I don't try to figure it out anymore because it's too confusing. Next one, political boundaries. Who controls or makes the laws for your geographic area, Okay. So political boundaries, that refers to what is your country? Does the country determine the culture? Sometimes, at least a little bit. Does the country determine the ethnicity? No, not unless there's genocide going on. That's deciding an ethnicity. So political boundaries are just about who controls that area, who controls that region or that state or however you want to call it states provinces countries commonwealths those are political places political decisions political lines political entities that is purely about laws and control it doesn't have anything to do with biology or what people eat for dinner unless it is affected by laws and trade and commerce so an example of all of this is I live in Pennsylvania, in the U.S., but I didn't grow up here. Ethnically, I am white, but with a mixed heritage, a mixed ethnic heritage of German, Swiss, Irish, and English. And I'm still referencing countries, by the way, but culturally, I'm pretty mixed. I grew up on a tropical island in the Western Pacific. My mom is from Pennsylvania. My dad is from New Zealand. There's a lot of different cultural mixes in there. So culturally, I can identify with a couple of different cultures, and I like to participate in a lot of different cultures. Politically, I live in the United States of America, so I obey the laws of that country. Does that all make sense so far? So we talked about ethnicity, we talked about culture, and we talked about political entities and boundaries. And I'll explain when we get to the end of all of this, why I'm doing all of this. So I wanted to use a couple of modern examples to show you how this stuff can be confusing and how it can be cleared up pretty simply if you know your terms, if you know the differences between culture, ethnicity, and political boundaries or entities. So the first example that I'm going to use is a very relevant one right now, and that is Ukraine and Russia. So, what's the difference between Ukraine and Russia? What are their similarities? Why are they fighting? I can't answer that one completely because there's so many reasons. You know, you, you can probably think of 10 reasons off the top of your head. So, I'm going to give you the cultural and historical background so that you can at least have a little bit more information to add to what you know just from the news or what you've heard. Okay? Russia has been a big empire for most of its history, but its capital used to be Kiev. There's a saying, if Moscow is the heart of Russia, 
and St. Petersburg is its head, then Kiev is its mother. Now here's the thing. We say, okay, Kiev used to be a part of Russia. Do you know when that was? It was about a thousand years ago in the 800s and 900s and 1000s AD. So Russia has a very long history, as most European countries do. And so when we say that Kiev and what is now Ukraine used to be a part of Russia, it was a thousand years ago. That all fell with the Mongols invading from the east. But for about maybe 500 years or so, no, it was a little bit shorter than that, maybe three or 400 years, there was a confederation of Slavic tribes, and we'll talk about these terms, of Slavic tribes um, that made up what is called the Kievian Rus. And the Rus were these tribes. So Kiev was a very important part of the beginning of the Russian Empire. And so it's pretty important ideologically, kind of culturally, kind of for the pride of Russia. It also has lots of natural resources and important geographic access points. So it's a very nice country to have if you're an empire. It's a very nice part of the puzzle. It has access to different ports. There's a big old uh, gas pipeline going through Ukraine. Um, It leads direct access into a lot of different countries of Europe from Russia. Russia is bordered by some bigger countries, and then Western Europe has a lot of tiny countries. So to have the Ukraine is just a really nice access. But let's talk about culture for a minute and ethnicity. Uh, So we'll go back to our terms. Russian, Russia, Ukraine, Ukrainian, and Slavic. So Russia is a country. Russian is a language and a culture and a people. You can say Russian people, Russian language, Russian culture, and Russia is a country. But it's the same thing for the Ukraine. Ukraine is a country. Ukrainian is a language. Ukrainian is a culture and a people. But both, what do they have in common? Both are Slavic. What is Slavic? You may or may not have heard of Slavic before. Slavic is... a a term to talk about culture, ethnicity, and language. So all the languages in Eastern Europe grew out of the Slavic language branch of the Indo-European language family. So they talk about language families, and then they switch up their metaphors and talk about branches. So Indo-European languages, those are the languages spoken in Europe, And we talked about this just recently about how it can be Persian is Indo-European and a lot of the languages, so Finnish, Danish, German, all of these different languages are Indo-European. Slavic is also uh, Indo-European and Russian and Ukrainian are both Slavic. So you can think of it as like grandparents and then parents and then children. Indo-European is the grandparents, that's the main big language family, and then Slavic was their kids. Slavic is another language family that's smaller, so it includes Bulgarian, Serbian, Croatian, Ukrainian, and Russian. So all of those languages have things in common. They're more comparable to each other, more similar to each other. 
they sound more similar because I studied Russian and could speak Russian. I can kind of read Ukrainian and I used to be able to understand spoken Polish and Ukrainian. I, I don't anymore just because I'm, I'm rusty. But that doesn't mean that Poles, Polish people, are the same as Russians. It means that they have a similar language structure and similar language. But that does not make them the same, right? Obviously, they're not the same. So that's how it is with Ukrainians and Russians. They have a shared history. At one point, they were part of the same empire. Uh, the Kievian Rus, that first empire of the Russians and Ukrainians. Uh, the people of Russia and Western Russia and Ukraine, they both say were descended from that people, from those people groups. So they have a shared ancestry with ethnicity, their biology. They have languages out of the same language group, so similar languages. Their cultures have a lot of similarities, but they're also very distinct. They, they have been different cultures. They have been different countries. And so they are very proud of their distinct languages and cultures and history apart from each other. But they also have things in common and shared history and a shared culture. So just to give some contrast to that, an Italian and a Russian would be much further apart in similarities in language, culture, and history. But a Belarusian, somebody from Belarus or Poland or Ukraine would have much more in common with a Russian. And that's kind of obvious, but it's, it's good to talk about with particulars with ethnicity culture and political boundaries so when we talk about political boundaries with eastern europe we're talking about who's in control right there's a ukrainian president and there's a russian president they have different political boundaries i'm going to move on we're getting closer and closer to the bible but we're still not going to talk about the bible today we're going to move on to another pretty confusing overlap of terms and i'll explain where i've experienced this and these terms are Middle Eastern, Muslim, and different nationalities such as Iraqi or Jordanian. Okay, so we have Middle Eastern, Muslim, and Iraqi. We'll, we'll use that as our example. So I used to tutor at a community college, and at the same time, I was also teaching ESL with a different organization. ESL is English as a Second Language. And there were quite a few different nationalities and ethnicities that would come through both of those places. So I used to keep a list. And at one point, I think I had, by the time I quit those jobs, I think between 60 and 80 different countries represented by students that I had either tutored or taught in my class. So a lot of different places in the world. And when I would talk about my students with other people, they would regularly get confused about the differences between nationality, ethnicity, and religion. They would just kind of like mash those all together and get confused about who could be from where and what their culture could be and what their religion could be. And we'll, yeah, so, so we're going to talk about our terms again. So we're going to define all of these places and things. And we're going to start with the Middle East, okay? The Middle East is an area 
that covers parts of three continents. It's the meeting point of Europe through Turkey and Africa through Egypt and Asia through Israel and Jordan, right? And, and Egypt as well. Egypt kind of overlaps because of the Sinai Peninsula is actually considered to be in Asia and Egypt, the rest of Egypt is in Africa. So the Middle East is just an area and it's called the Middle East just because there's a group of countries there and we want a, a term to use to refer to that whole area and we call it the Middle East. When you're talking about biblical times, you don't call that area the Middle East. It was called the ancient Near East. So sometimes I mention that in this podcast, the ancient Near East, and it's just a term that you can think of as the modern Middle East. Okay. So it's just an area and it's used to talk about just geography, a place and a a big chunk of a place that doesn't cover a country It covers a bunch of countries. And we use those kinds of terms all over the place in all sorts of different ways to talk about an area, a geography, and we don't want to care about the politics, right? So I live in the Susquehanna Valley. It's in Pennsylvania, but there's a specific culture that's here. And I won't get into that, but we talk about that term and it has connotations to it. In the same way that if you talk about somebody being from the West Coast or being from the East Coast or being from New England, that's another really good one, you have certain connotations that come to mind. Whether they're true or not, there's connotations that come to mind when we talk about geographic areas. We can talk about mm, Southern France and you can get connotations with that. You can talk about Central Europe or Eastern Europe, and you get connotations with that. These are geographic areas, but we end up thinking about ethnicity and culture and religion when we talk about these places. Another one is Appalachian, right? If you talk about these different places, you get different stereotypes and different connotations come to mind, good or bad, true or not true. We end up thinking about those kinds of things. Let's move on to the next term, ethnicity. When we're talking about the Middle East, usually the ethnicity that comes up is Arab. Now, what is an Arab? An Arab is a person originally, you know, back maybe really far in time, but originally from the Arabian Peninsula, which is mostly Saudi Arabia, but a couple other countries too. But now it refers to people that speak a form of Arabic. So what countries have Arabic as their language? There's a a lot, but there is Syria, Jordan, Iraq, uh, Lebanon, Saudi Arabia, Yemen, Oman, Egypt, uh, Algeria. There's, There's a lot of countries that speak Arabic. And by the way, written Arabic is pretty uniform. One person can look at Arabic in one country and he can send an email to another person in another country and he'll be able to read it, no problem. Written Arabic is uniform, but spoken Arabic has a ton of dialects. That means that if somebody from Algeria talks in Arabic to somebody from Syria, they might not be able to understand each other. 
And some countries will have an easier time than others, but there's a lot of different dialects with Arabic. So when you're talking about Arabic, it's one language, but many dialects, many different forms of the same language. So what is Arabic? And we're going, sorry, we're adding to our terms. We started with ethnicity, culture, and political boundaries, and now we're getting into languages too. But this is good stuff. So Arabic, what do we know about Arabic? Well, it's a Semitic language. It's actually from the same language family as other Canaanite languages. Um, there's a theory that it came from northern Canaan, kind of like the region of Lebanon and Syria. So it might be not far off from Hebrew because they actually do sound similar in some ways. And so Arabic uses the Arabic script and has Arabic numerals. If you haven't been to the Middle East, you've probably never thought about different uh, languages having different numbers, but we use Latin numbers, Latin numerals. You probably know Roman numerals. So you know of two different writing systems for numbers, but Arabic has another system for writing numbers. So I still remember when Ryan and I were in Jordan, and this was back in 2010, I think. Yeah, 2010. And we were <laughs> trying to find our hotel room, but the room numbers were written in Arabic numerals. And I, I think we must have had a cheat sheet or something for how to find the numbers, but it took us a little while to find our, our hotel room because of the Arabic numerals. You know, that's something you take for granted that everything, numbers are at least the same all over the world, right? Nope, not so much. So we listed some of the countries where Arabic is used, Jordan, Lebanon, Syria, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Somalia, Sudan. There's a couple of countries in Northern Africa that use Arabic. But who considers themselves Arab? A lot of these countries are speakers of Arabic. But are they ethnically Arab? Is their biology Arab? Well, that kind of depends on who you talk to, because Egyptians didn't used to consider themselves Arab. Now, because they have started to adopt more Arabic culture and at the Arabic language, and, and Islam is a part of it too. They consider themselves more Arab. So I don't, it might depend on who you talk to for that one. Uh, finally, let's get to the religion, Islam. So Islam is a religion, and you are Muslim if you follow Islam, okay? This one, I, it can be a little bit tricky. I didn't realize, though, that people really had a hard time with this one. Islam is the religion. You are Muslim if you follow Islam. Christian if you follow Christianity. Muslim if you follow Islam. So you can be any ethnicity, any nationality, and be Muslim. And there are other religions in the Middle East, and not all Arabic speakers are Muslim. You can have Israeli Arab Christians, and you can have Iranian Persian Muslims or Israeli Arab Muslims, or Iranian Persian Christians. So I'm throwing together three terms there, right? Let's do Israeli Arab Christian. Israeli would be their political identity. 
Arab would be either their ethnic or cultural identity, and Christian would be their religious identity. Let's do one more. Iranian Persian Muslim. Iran is the country. Iranian would be their political identity. Persian would be their cultural or ethnic identity. And then Muslim would be their religious identity. So when you talk about somebody who is Muslim, that's, that's just their religion. That does not say anything at all about their culture. If you say somebody is Iranian, that is their political identity. That doesn't necessarily say anything at all about their culture or about their religion. We have to distinguish between these things so that we don't assume that all Middle Easterners are Muslim or all Iraqis are Muslim. That's not true. You, you can talk about majorities, but you have to distinguish between these things. So we need to make sure we're not equating nationality with ethnicity or religion. Here's another American example, a Puerto Rican Christian American, or a Native American Christian American, or how about we add in a region because we talk about Middle Easterners. Let's add in a region. How about a Puerto Rican East Coast Christian American? <laughs> you, can, you can come up with your own term for yourself, you know, come up with one and, and see what kind of connotations it has. See what kind of stereotypes people might put on you just because of where you live or your religion. So we're going to stop there because that was enough. I, I feel like that was plenty of information, right? Ethnicity, nationality, culture, and religion. Ethnicity is your biological makeup, your genes, what's in your DNA. Nationality is what country you live in, and culture is your traditions, and when you even might eat your meals, and what you eat for your meals, and how you greet your family, and all sorts of things, ways of living. And then religion, obviously, has to do with spirituality and what God you believe in, right? So very distinct things that we often squish together and make into one thing when they're very separate, distinct things. So when we come back next week, what we're going to talk about is different people groups and geographic areas and political entities in the Bible. And this will become important if you, say, get into prophecy, because we're going to talk about the nations that are listed or the areas or people groups that are listed in Ezekiel 37 and 38 and see what are they talking about there? Are they talking about countries? Are they talking about people groups? All these different things. And do we know where any of these places or people groups are? Okay, so that's what we're going to do next week. I needed to do all of this this week so that we had a big introduction for ways to talk about these things rather than just launching into it. So I look forward to it and I hope you guys have a great day. I'll talk to you later. Bye.